0: This morning's scripture reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16. We'd like to read responsively the first seven verses of the chapter. Allow me to read verse number one, and I will read the succeeding odd numbered verses, the four of them. And would you read with me, please, verses two, four, and six? And once again, that's Mark chapter 16, verses one through seven, reading responsively. And if you're able to stand once again in respect to the reading of the Word of God, I invite you to stand. Mark 16, verses 1 through 7, and reading responsively. And when the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they had looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a white, long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him as he said unto you. May God have his place in the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Lord, at this, what I consider the most important time of our week, I pray that on this first day of the week that you would use your word to speak to every heart within the sound of this voice. Pray for the children downstairs, for the workers. Pray a prayer blessing on all of our kids. And Lord, I pray that you would work in hearts and lives this morning. May no one leave today without sins forgiven in a home in heaven, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Brother Dave and Diane. Appreciate that special. That was great. And I think George liked it, too. So... <laughs> It's been a busy week this week. I want to thank all those that did so much for several venues that we had this week, of course. And uh, looking forward to the month of praise and Thanksgiving, and the month of no- November, of course. We'll say more about that after the message here in a few minutes. But let's go to Mark chapter 16. Text said we don't have to wait till Easter Resurrection Sunday morning to go to. Well, it's, uh, I imagine it was a day. It doesn't, we don't know what the weather was like on that day, but we know the day that. Christ was crucified, it was raining and storming, and the sun turned dark, of course, and I imagine this was kind of a gloomy Sunday morning, obviously, and the women, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, come to the tomb very early in the morning, bringing their spices with them to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, and uh, they find, they ask the question, who should roll away the stone from the sepulcher? And when they got there, the stone was rolled away, obviously, They entered into the sepulchre and they saw a young man, verse number five, sitting on the right hand, clothed in a long white garment, no doubt an angel, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, be not affrighted ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. And then the angel gave instruction in verse number seven, he said to the women, he said, but go your way, tell his disciples and Peter. He said, she, he said, go your way and tell his disciples, and Peter. Why did he say, and Peter? That he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him, as he said unto you. We've been on a little mini-series of sorts the last several weeks, uh, every other Sunday, of course, for about eight weeks now, of course. We've looked at the life of David, the man after God's own heart, uh, the sweet psalmist of Israel, and David, of course, in 1 Samuel 30, he hit rock bottom. We preach a message on what to do when you hit rock bottom. We've all been there before. And then we looked at the life of John the Baptist just two weeks ago, obviously. And he was the GOAT, the greatest of all time, according to Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest man that ever lived. Uh, no man lived any, was uh, born among women. It's greater, of course. And we see that John the Baptist lost his faith if David, the man after God's own heart, can hit rock bottom, and John the Baptist can lose his faith, and now we get to the greatest of the chief of the apostles, Peter. Peter, James, and John, the, the inner three, the, the Peter, bold, brash Peter, of course, the open, fo- open mouth, insert foot Peter, of course, uh, Peter, the head of the apostles, uh, if Peter could get cocky, and Peter, as we're going to find out, of course, as we probably all know, of course, he denied the Lord three times vehemently, and it wasn't the first time he denied the Lord, per se, and the first time he failed. If David can fail, and John the Baptist can fail, and Peter can fail, I think you and I are prone to fail as well. And there's, uh, someone has said there's a little bit of Peter, some, some have said there's a lot of Peter in all of us. And I want to deal with the subject of Peter this morning. Who is Peter, obviously, and we remind her of some notes since. We find in with Peter, of course, and Peter, this apostle that was the the rock of the church, according to one church, of course, worldwide church, which is the name Peter means Petras or Rock, of course, obviously, and he's not the rock of the church. Jesus Christ is the rock of the church, obviously. And but Peter was his name meant rock, of course. Peter was a man's man. But I want you to know Peter, like John the Baptist, like David, like every other man, I want you to know, first reminder that we learned from Peter is even the best of men are men at best. I remember growing up as a boy out in country Ohio, and we had uh, Abby Montgomery was her name. She was about 100 years old, and I'm not exaggerating. She was in her late 90s, still in good health. It happened to be a black lady. Her husband was a preacher for over 50 years. I think 60 years. He died 20 years. I never met Mr. Montgomery or Pastor Montgomery but we were in her house one day, and me, me, me and three other preachers, of course, and she was preaching to us in her own way. And she said, uh, I never forgot what she said. She said, we ain't nothing but dirt. She said, your dirt's a little cleaner than my dirt. Not true, but that's what she said. She says, your dirt's just a little cleaner. Where did she get that from? Well, the Bible reminds us all in Genesis chapter 3 when we read about, in chapter 2, about Adam and Eve, and they sin in the garden, of course, and and. Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. They were created from the dust, Genesis 3.19 reminds us. From, for uh, out of it for, uh, that thou were returned to the ground, for out of it thou wast taken. For dust thou art, and f- unto dust thou shalt return. Uh, we're, all, we're all, every one of us, at best, we're just dust. At best, we're just, uh, the, the, the best of us are men at best, of course, and every, every, even the best of men are great sinners. I uh, always pick on Jeff. He's one of those people I have permission to pick on. Of course, his last name is Peters, for the record. He's getting married here in three weeks. We're looking forward to that. Of course, everybody's invited to the wedding. And Jeff said, uh, he's, been, he's been a Christian for a long time now. He's been a Christian for 11 months now. And uh, he said, uh, Pastor, I'm the greatest sinner there ever was. And I said, no, Jeff, you've got to take that up with Apostle Paul. Because in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying, Paul said. And worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners... Paul said, of whom I am chief. And even, even great men are, are sinners as well. Paul was a sinner. Preachers are sinners. And uh, in recent years, there's been a great exposing of, uh, of men. It shouldn't surprise us, but men of God that preach the word of God. I could name a name right now. I won't do it. Hopefully some of you don't know who I'm talking about, but a famous, very, very famous preacher I've heard in person, of course, and he's in heaven now. I believe he's saved and he had a lifelong ministry and he's on the radio and on television all over, all over the world, of course, a very well-spoken uh, pulpiteer, obviously. And it was found out, of course, after he died, of course, that he'd been having a long-time affair with a woman, one and half his age, of course, for, for years, of course, and it came out. It shouldn't surprise us that men sin, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Uh, God's a great, Jesus Christ is a great savior, but he came to save great sinners as well. And uh, get your eyes off man and get him, put, put him on Jesus Christ, of course. And uh, verily, as the psalmist said in Psalm 39, verse 5, David said, verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. At our best state, we're vanity. At our best state, we're going to, we're, if we came from dust, we were going to return to dust. So we learned from Peter, first of all, in Peter, remind, we were reminded that even the best of men are men at best. But then the second truth that we know about Peter... And when I think about Peter, we, we, I know most of you know the story. We go to Matthew and go to Luke and John's Gospels. Mark exempts it. It doesn't release it out. But the three record the prediction of Christ just hours before the crucifixion, of course, the night of the betrayal, where he said in the, in the upper room in the Last Supper, he said that before this night is out, thou shalt deny you all forsake me. And Peter said in Matthew 26, verse 33, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. Peter was a man's man. Peter was uh, a man that most most men would probably want to follow. I think he was a big burly fisherman for sure. And uh, Peter thought he was better than most men. He thought he was tougher and stronger and mightier. And uh, and second admonition, a reminder that we learn in in Peter is the danger of self-confidence danger of self-confidence. He said, I'll never deny you once. And the Lord said, turned to him and said, Peter, before this night is over, thou shalt deny me three times. And he denied and and, and, and he he mocked, of course. And uh, I remember years ago, it's been 40 years ago, we moved out from Ohio to Connecticut, of course, and we landed in Danbury, went to the Colonial Hills Baptist Church. And I've given this story before, but i never forget, we had a rousing Sunday night service, every Sunday night was a great service, and the church was blowing and going, pardon the slang, and the church, we had a couple, 300 people in church on Sunday night, and we had a certain gentleman stand up and give his testimony, he'd just been saved about a year, and he would come from a life of debauchery and great sin and so forth, and, and uh, he, pastor had him come up to the pulpit and give his testimony, and he gave his testimony, and I don't think there was a dry eye in the place. Uh, tears on every cheek of course and uh, uh, it was so r- r- stirring of a testimony he was going to live for God for the rest of his life and so forth and the pastor invited him after the service he invited him out to go to breakfast with him in the morning he said I'll pick you up at your house and uh, from Sunday night when he gave his great testimony to, to Monday morning uh, the pastor went to his house and he wasn't nowhere to be found and he fell off the, fell off the wagon so to speak and he went back into a life of sin and so forth and and uh, he had a great fall, obviously, and uh, lasted for a number of months, number, a long period of time. Here's the apostle Peter. He said, I'll never, I'll never forsake you. I'll never deny you. And then hours later, he would do just that, of course. The Bible says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse number 18, Pride goeth before, do you know it? Before destruction. In a haughty spirit before a fall, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Don't stand on your self ability, uh, your 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 prowess, your your manhood, your gentleman, or whatever it might be. There's a danger of self confidence. We see that in Peter's life. We see the the fact that in Peter, even the best of men are men at best. But then, thirdly, in James one verse fourteen it says, "But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed." And Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. There's a progression. In Peter's life, we see in the the night of his betrayal of the Lord, that we see the path of sin leads downhill to to deeper sin. There's lust, there's temptation, there's lust, and then there's sin, and then sin leads to death. And we see in Peter's life, uh, Peter fell in fell his walk with the Lord of course in the days before uh, when Jesus left the garden or rather left to go to the garden from the upper room he went with his disciples and, and Peter and John and James went a little further up on that hillside that I've been to in the Garden of Gethsemane of course and the Lord said, "Tarry here and pray, for, pray a while and he went up yonder on the hillside and prayed for an hour or so and came back and he found him sleeping. Peter, Peter fell asleep when he w- should have prayed. The Lord said, pray that you enter not into temptation. Then we see, and after the fall, and after the betrayal, when Judas came with the high priest, ser- servants of the high priest, of course, and, and Peter took out his sword and cut the ear off of the Malchus, the high priest. Obviously, Lord healed the ear of Peter, or rather of Malchus, the high priest, and the and, uh, Bible says that all of his disciples prophesied by Jesus forsook him and fled. So Peter fell on this walk. He, he started with, It was a progression. He fell asleep. He followed far, far off. The Bible says in Matthew 26, and verse 58, he, he followed the Lord far off, of course, as the Lord went to uh, one the of, first of three judgments, of course, to Pilate's Judgment Hall, and then off to Caiaphas' uh, hall. And I've been there, of course, and uh, been to the ancient ruins there in Jerusalem. If you go on a tour, you'll probably, they'll probably take you there as well. And uh, we see, you know, see in the upper courtroom, of course, or rather the courtyard, rather. I, the courtyard is to my best of my recollection of, of the Caiaphas' courtyard in the middle of the night at 2 o'clock in the morning as Peter was there and he, he, he fell asleep in the garden. He followed afar off to see what was going to happen with Jesus and he fellowshiped around the wrong fire. And uh, Peter is warming himself on, by the fire. If you can imagine the fire over here in this corner of the room, the 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 the, the courtyard is about the size of this auditorium—and Jesus was in the far corner by the door to the entrance to the to the uh, judgment hall. There he's being inquisition, of course, and mocked and spit upon, and so forth. Peter warmed himself at the fire, but there is progression. If we would go to. The three Gospels, again, Mark exempts it, but uh, Matthew, Matthew, Luke, and John, record it. Uh, in Luke 22:56, it says that first that a certain maid came. John calls her a damsel, so we infer that this certain maid was a servant girl, was a damsel, was probably a teenage girl, and she's the first one that accused Peter. She said, "Thou art one of them. Thy speech betrayeth thee." And Peter denied. He said, "No, I, I know not the man." And uh, a little while later, another woman spoke up and said, "You're, you're one of them. You're one. Of, you're following him, of course." And and uh, and Peter denied it. And then the Bible says an hour went by. An hour later, a, th- a third person, this time a man, said, uh, uh, "You know him. You're one of them. I know. I've seen you." And Peter, the Bible says, he vehemently cursed and he swore and said, "I know not the man." He swore with an oath. And he said, I know not the man. And he cursed and he swore and he him in the name of Jesus. And I can just imagine as Jesus was there maybe 60 feet away or so. The Bible says, and uh, you know, I try the best I can. I try to look people in the eyes, but uh, you're all blurry out there anyhow with these crazy glasses I got on. You're just a big blur. And I got progressives on, and so I got to go like this all the time to see my notes and, and see you, of course. And I try to look you all in the eyeballs. So it's possible for me to do. And, uh, but I, I try to get your eye if I can. Jesus turned and back from the back of the room or the back of the, 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 the lights, the, the, the fire burning, of course, and, and the, maybe the, the lanterns around the courtyard. And The Bible says in Luke 22 and verse 61, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, crow, crow thou shalt deny me thrice. In Luke 22, verse 62, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. I bet he wept. And Peter, Peter, I would assume that Peter hit rock bottom. The chiefest of the apostles hit rock bottom. The chiefest of the apostles lost his faith, and he cursed, and he swore, and he said, I don't know, man. i never met him before in my life. And he cursed, and he said, blankety-blank, and blasphemed the name of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus looked at him, and he He burst in and wept bitterly, the Bible says. And I wonder where Peter went after that. You know, it leads me to four things that God wants you to know when you failed him. Peter, Peter miserably failed the Lord. Uh, He, uh, where would you go after you denied the Lord? We find out that the disciples were hiding for fear of the Jews. They didn't want to be crucified. So they they ran and they hid themselves, of course, obviously. And I think Peter was, by his lonesome for most of the time. Where did he go? Um, did he have thoughts of suicide? Judas, when he betrayed the Lord, of course, went out and hanged hang himself. I, the, the murderer up in Lewiston, Maine, of course, this past week, I'm sure everybody's followed that. Uh, it wasn't surprising to see what happened, of course, obviously. He couldn't live with himself, even at a point, even a depravity, depraved killer of 18 couldn't live with himself, and he put a bullet to his head, evidently. And, and can a Christian commit suicide? I've known several that have committed suicide. I've known preachers that have committed suicide. You say, well, you we can't go to heaven and commit suicide. When Jesus forgave us our sins, he forgave us our past, our present, and our future sins. Our salvation is not contingent upon the way we live. Peter was lower than a, the proverbial snake's belly. He ran and he hid himself, and, uh, and he tried to hide himself from the Lord, tried to hide himself from everybody else, and uh, you can't hide yourself from the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 139, verse seven, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. The Proverbs says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. You can't hide from God, but we try. We try to play hide and seek from the Lord. If, it, if I take my, the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall they, thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not me from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness uh, and the light are both alike unto me. We can never hide from him, of course. We try to hide from him, but uh, uh, what did... What did when the angel said to the women, he said that word, knowing that every word of God is there for a purpose, back to our text for the first time, verse number seven. But go your way, tell his disciples. Well, Peter was one of the disciples. That's all he had to say, is tell his disciples. But he added two words, and Peter. Why did he say that? Well, I believe he said that because Jesus wants us to know when we fail. He wanted Peter to know when he fails that he wants you to know that you are not forgotten. You're never forgotten. He, he I, I love the story. Uh, when you go to Israel, if you go to Israel, I know there's a couple people in our church that have done the Israel tour, obviously, and they always take you to Jericho. In Jericho, they have a tree. They have a sycamore tree in the center of their version of Co Park. And uh, the sycamore tree is a big, massive tree. And that's they tell you that's the tree that Zacchaeus climbed. I don't think so. Two, two thousand years ago, but... Uh, We sing this song. The kids sing the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up at the tree and said, "Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today." Of course, that's taken from the story of Jesus coming to Jericho in Luke 19 verses 1 to 10. We learned four things from that 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 about Zacchaeus, the tree climber. That is, Jesus sees us. Jesus saw him. Jesus knows us, Jesus wants us, and Jesus loves us. Uh, he knows your name. He knows your name. He knows your, the number of hairs on, on your head, of course. And we, and we try to hide from him. Peter, for three days, while Jesus when he died on the cross, Peter was hiding, trying to hide from the Lord, ashamed, thinking that he was forgotten, knowing that he should be forgotten, of course. And, and so... We see the first thing that we need to know uh, that God wants us to know when we fail him is that that uh, we are not forgotten by him. We can never hide from him. But then secondly, uh, have you ever been guilty yourself of forsaking the Lord? I have forsaken the Lord. I've been ashamed of the Lord many more hundreds of times than I ever want to admit publicly. Think of all the times that we could have passed out of track or told somebody about, told somebody about the Lord and we... We passed up the opportunity or we didn't do it. Maybe we were ashamed. Uh, have you ever forsaken the Lord Lived uh, and not lived for the Lord? The Bible says, then all the disciples back to the fall, right back to the betrayal night, Matthew 26, 56, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. We've all been there. We've all failed. We've all forsaken him at one time or another. He wants you to know that you are not forsaken when we forsake him. When we, when, we, when we abide faithless, yet the Bible says in Timothy, he abides faithful, of course. And when Jesus prayed in the garden, he prayed right before he was going to be betrayed, and he knew he'd be betrayed by all the disciples, and Peter as well. He knew Peter, he prophesied that Peter would, would, uh, would deny him thrice, vehemently. And yet he prayed this prayer in the garden, he quoted from the Old Testament, that now, John 18:9. I'm quoting, that the saying might be fulfilled which she spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. We're secure in Christ. Once you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus holds, holds you. Jesus, you're in Christ, you can never get out of Christ. Salvation is all of, all of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, of course, but we forsake him, but he never forsakes us. And so we often learn more from our faults and our failures than from our successes. In Luke 22, and verse number 30, 32, the Bible says, But I have prayed for thee. Speaking about Peter, let me give you the backup context. Peter, uh, he gave the great confession, of course, and he said, he said uh, I'll never leave you, nor for, uh, I'll, I'll never forsake you, of course. And, and uh, Lord said, "You you denied me three times." But in Luke twenty-two, thirty-two, Lord said, "But I have prayed for thee." He was talking to Peter, and that, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Uh, Lord prayed for uh, Peter, of course, know that, knowing that he Peter would forsake him, and yet Lord said, "I'll never forsake you, of course." And and uh, you, you're going to come back to me. I promise you. And we often learn more from our faults and our failures from our successes. When we have successes in our Christian life, we're oftentimes lifted up in pride. We become self-confident. But when we're, David wrote the great penitential psalm, it, was, it wasn't God's will for David to fall into sin, great sin, a sin of adultery and a sin of murder, mass murder for that matter. The Hittite and his fellow soldiers, of course, had to be killed to hide David's sin from the Lord, obviously. Well, it didn't work, obviously. But from that we get Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, the penitential psalms. And sometimes the best teacher is not a success but a broken heart when we are brought to our knees. Peter was brought to his knees. Peter was, he knew he'd forsaken the Lord. He knew he had, he, he, the Lord should have forgot him. He, he, he forgot the Lord, so to speak, and he didn't feel worthy. And uh, he, the Lord, uh, didn't forget him though. And sometimes we learn the most from our failures, more from our failures than we do from our successes. But thirdly, when we think of Peter, remember Peter's the one that said to the Lord, He was much more righteous than the Pharisees. The Pharisees said, uh, They believed you asked forgiveness three times, and three times, and you committed the same sin, fourth time, and you're out, three strikes, and you're out. Maybe baseball got that from the Pharisees, I don't know. But uh, Peter said, Lord, how many times should we forgive our brother? He said seven times. He said he said essentially to the Lord, I'm better than twice as better than the Pharisees. They only forgive three times. I'll forgive twice as many times plus one. And he thought he's doing pretty good to say I'll forgive seven times. Hey, has anybody ever wronged you? By the way, you ever been? You have unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody. Somebody have unforgiveness in your heart towards you, and they won't forgive you, or can you forgive one another? Jesus, when he died on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They didn't ask for forgiveness, but he prayed a prayer of asking for forgiveness. He's the God of reconciliation, of course. And Peter, back to the question that Peter had for the Lord, should we forgive seven times? The Lord said, no, I tell you, Peter, yea, 70 times seven. And uh, we keep forgiving, of course, obviously. And the Lord, when he forgave you of your sins, he forgave you of all your past sins. If you're 50 years old, he forgave you if, you're, if you've asked him in your heart. He forgave you all your sins you've committed from the time you were born to the time you're 50 years old. He'll, he forgave you the sins that you're going to commit today. And he forgave you the sins if you live to be 100 years of age. He forgave you past, present, and future. They're all under the blood. They're all... He he's, he's saves us completely. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. buries them in the depths of the deepest seas. never to remember it again, his mercy is everlasting. And... I love the story you see he wants to forgive you and uh, the angel said to the women and Peter make sure you tell Peter because I want you to know that you're forgiven Peter even though you haven't asked me you're forgiven of course and uh, the Lord wants to forgive us more than we want to be forgiven I love the story of Luke 15 and the prodigal son of course and you know the story how the younger son went off into a pig pen and asked for his inheritance. And, and, uh, and uh, when he was down to his last strike, so to speak, and was down in the pigsty, he came to his own, and came to his senses, and he rose, the Bible says, and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I love the phrase where when he was a great way off, the father ran. And his, the song says, his goodness is running after me. He runs to forgive us. I use my kids, grandkids, I have to have one grandkid illustration every Sunday morning on a, when I preach. So here's one grandkid illustration. I, wanna, I want better for my kids, my grandkids, than they want for themselves. Every parent knows that. Every grandparent knows that. You want better for them, then you're more than willing to forgive them. You're more than willing to love them and, and, and wish them the best, of course. And the father runs to forgive us. Thank God for a, a Savior that, that wants to run to forgive us. So in Peter, we see four things that God wants us to know when we failed him. He wants us to know that you are not forgotten. You can never hide from him even though we try to hide from him. Uh, he wants us to know that you are not forsaken. And we learn often more from our faults and our failures than from our successes. Peter The Lord prayed for Peter, and he said, When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And he wants us to know, thirdly, that we are forgiven. He will run after us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All we've got to do is run to Jesus, of course, and ask for, plead the blood of Christ again and again and again, and he'll forgive us of our sin. But That brings me to the final truth. Peter's going to rise up, of course. You know the rest of the story. Peter goes on to, uh, he's going he's to fall many more times, by the way, after this event. In fact, we get to John, John 21 and we read that uh, just days later after the, the appearance of, on Resurrection Sunday morning that, that uh, Peter said, I go fishing, John 21, verse 2, I think it is. And seven other disciples follow with him and they go to Galilee and he goes back to what they know. They go fishing, of course. And the Lord meets them there. Lord, you, you know the story where the Lord's on the the shore. They call it the shore of reconciliation. When you go to Jerusalem or Israel, they'll take you to the shore of reconciliation. It might not be the exact spot, but it's definitely near. It's about the expanse of the length of our property, 900 feet or so. We know right about where the Lord Jesus cooked that coal, that fire with, with fishes and bread of course. And, and uh, he said, cast your net on the other side. And they caught, caught a great multitude of fishes. And Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to the Lord, of course. He knew it was the Lord, and, he, and that's where the, the words of reconciliation were brought around the fire. And the Lord said to Peter, love us on me more than these. Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And three times the Lord, he denied him three times, and the Lord asked him three times, do you love me? And he wants us to know, fourthly, he wants you to know after you've failed him greatly that he's not forgotten you, that he's not forsaken you, he, that he's willing, more than willing, to run and forgive you, but he wants you to know that your future is bright in serving him. Aren't you glad that failure isn't final? Because before this day is out, before this week is out, before this month is out, I promise you, you're going to fail him. One thing I, I, I promise: we're going to we're going to fail. Bible says, but. Philippians 1 6, being confident in this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you we will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we serve the God of the second chance. I'm thankful we serve God. We had Jonah in the lineup yesterday, you that were here yesterday for Jonah, was, and the Whale was with us, of course. And the Bible says of Jonah that the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. Remember, Jonah refused to go the first time to Nineveh, God came to him the second time. Abraham messed up real good on the first time he went, went in with Hagar, you know the rest of that story. God said, I'm gonna give you a second chance, and, he, and uh, of course we have Isaac, the, the one that was promised. Noah got a second chance after getting drunk after he built the ark uh, to save the world. Uh, David had a second chance after adultery. Elijah had a second chance after, after requesting to die at, uh, after Mount Carmel. Rahab the harlot had a second chance in in uh, in Jericho, of course, Samson had a second chance when he killed more Philistines in his death than he ever did in his life and remember failure isn't final uh, what do we do We, we have a god a second chance acknowledge your failure, plead the blood of Christ, confess your sins first John one nine put it behind you, move forward, and learn from it in god 's if we go back to Peter's life here, as we summarize here, the, the, the angel said to the ladies, make sure you go back and tell the disciples and Peter. Peter wasn't done messing up. Peter would still mess up. Paul would still him to the face. If you read through the epistles and read that, that Paul Peter made several mistakes, of course, after this. We're still going to make our mistakes, of course. But he would go on to preach at Pentecost, and 3,000 people would get saved. He would preach... Uh, he would lead the church of Jerusalem. He would uh, open the door of faith to the Gentiles, beginning in Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. He serves, history doesn't tell us this, but the prophecy was given of Peter's death in John 21 after John, asked, uh, Peter asked the question, what shall this man do speaking about John the apostle? The Lord basically said, it's none of your business what I, how, what I do with John. But Peter, what is that to thee, he said. Peter, you just lived for me. And Peter said, Lord, I want to follow you to death. And we believe that Peter lived to be 33 for 33 plus years after Christ ascended up into glory. That was how long Jesus Christ was on earth, of course, for 33 years. And Peter got to live a life of service to the Savior, of course, for those many years. And he was crucified, tradition says, upside down, not willing to be crucified in the same manner of his Savior. But failure is not the end, but just the Beginning of a lifetime of wonderful service. We're all going. If David can fail, and get hit rock bottom, and if John the Baptist can lose his faith, and if Peter can deny the Lord, curse and swear, don't you think we can fail as well? And you say, what's the use? Might as well commit suicide. No, no. You don't remember. You're not forgotten. Jesus sees you. He knows you. He wants you. He loves you. You're not forsaken. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And your faults and your failures are often lead to, you learn more from them than your successes. He wants to forgive you. He runs, he wants to run, he wants to forgive you more than you want to be forgiven. He wants you to know that your future is bright in serving him. This is the first day of the rest of your life of service to the Lord. And so we have a great God that wants us to serve him uh, for an earthly lifetime. Maybe you're like Peter, and maybe you've fallen from, uh, you've forsaken him, or you ran from him. Today is a new day. Today is uh, his mercy is everlasting. His mercy is new every morning. You can come to the Lord and ask him for a new start, a fresh start.